0: Take your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm so glad every time that we open God's Word together that it's God's Word that has the power, that has the truth that we need. Right? We try as we preach to, to make it interesting, to, to illustrate it, to apply it to our lives, to make it you know not boring. I don't think pre- our pastors should make God's Word boring, um, but the, the powers in what God has to say this morning. So I really hope... Even more so than what I say, that you'll listen to God. Listen to his word. 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to read a few verses together. It's starting in verse 13. It actually starts with kind of a humorous question. If you think about it. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Right? What could go wrong if you do what is good? There's a reason we have that famous saying, No good deed goes unpunished, right? Hmm. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. By whom? By God. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. For Christ also suffered, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. These are verses that God has really used in my heart recently, and with Danny uh, speaking in Arizona the end of this week to a men's retreat, and uh, having the opportunity to preach, I just thought this would be a great place for us to turn, and and for me to share what God's been doing in in my heart through these verses with you. So let's pray together. God, we want to thank you for your word. It is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces our hearts. It exposes who we are. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It it is the means by which you uh, sanctify us. You set us apart. You make us holy with your truth. Your word is truth. So God, it is our prayer this morning that all of us would look into the mirror of your word and see what you have to say to us and that we would not leave here ignoring what we learn, but that we might make the changes, our hearts might grow and develop in the ways that you would want them to. God, please guide my words today that they would not distract or um, minimize in any way what you have said, but that they would just shine a light onto your truth that we would all see it together and grow. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. I wonder what God is teaching you in your life at this time. Maybe for some of you, you're early on in your journey of knowing God through Christ, and uh, you're still searching, you still have questions. Maybe you've never even come to, to faith for yourself. You're wrestling with that. And that's where your heart is at this moment. Maybe for some of you, you're, uh, you've newly become a Christian, and so everything is new, like the whole Bible. And you're, you're like, I'm thankful that we share the pages because I don't even know where stuff is. And, and now I can find it, and I can start to take baby steps. By the way, sometimes people get really discouraged in their early time walking with God because they fall. You know what babies do? Bam, bam, bam. But they slowly learn to walk. Or maybe you've known Christ for a long time. And in some ways, the battle then is that things can get stale. And you can get stuck and you can become numb even to what God has to say. And you need, you need God to keep showing you in fresh ways what he has to say. But no matter where you are on that journey, do you know what God asks of you? Take one step at a time. One. You say, i got to obey the whole Bible. You try to do that, you will drown you will quit. You'll get super discouraged. You know what you need? Man, where am I in my life? What does God have to say? And how do I take the next step in following him? And for me, these verses in 1 Peter have been really good for my own soul in how I take the next steps in following God. Because no matter where you are, right, we don't stand up here as pastors and we're like, let us tell you about everything we've got figured out. We stand up here and say, let us show you what God has to say so that we can all figure it out together. And so for me, these verses have really helped me take those steps. I just want to share with you what God is teaching me. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you are anti-pain? Anybody? Yeah, I am. I'm anti-pain, right? Right. Uh, Ever since I was a little kid, I've been terrified of shots, terrified of needles. And I don't know why, but it is all in my brain, and I become a five-year-old girl when you get a (laughs) syringe out. I'm terrified. Like, I'm not kidding you. When I was about 15 years old, I needed to get a shot, and my mom was actually babysitting a little boy named Jameson. I don't remember his mom's name, but his mom was a nurse at the place where I needed to get my shot and she refused to give me the shot because of how terrified I was. She's like, I don't think this is gonna be good. You should let someone else give him the shot. Been scared. Thankfully, I've never really broken a bone in my body. I have had stitches a couple times and all I can tell you is that as my finger is bleeding, remember cutting it on a candle one time. I was like, a candle jar, not a candle. How'd you cut your finger on a candle? (laughs) Candle jar. (laughs) Those things are dangerous. You stay away from wax, it'll get you right? So I'm like all worried about, and I'm staring at it bleeding and I'm thinking this needs stitches. And you know what I thought? But stitches mean shots. Therefore, can I tape it? (laughs) Can I super glue it? What can I? Yeah. Nurses will tell you, you can, right? But anyway, I just discovered RV camping recently. Let me tell you, that's anti-pain. That's full on comfort. That's American camping, isn't it? Right Where you don't go into the woods, you don't have to worry about the natural elements. If it gets cold, you just adjust the thermostat. You have your own bathroom, your own shower. It's awesome. I'm like, this is the life. And some of you tried and true campers are like, that is so wrong. You are missing the beauty, the experience. Listen, I have, I have laid in the corner of a tent in, in ne- Nevada or Nevada. Anyway, that place while the wind whipped through and sand went everywhere and it went in my teeth and in my nose and in my ears and I will RV camp as long as I want. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but we live in a society that is incredibly comfortable, isn't it? Right? I mean, if, if we sat in here today and we turned off the fans and we stopped the air conditioning and the hundred or so of us who are in the room, the temperature started to rise, we'd immediately be like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Skin hot. Might need a nap. Why? Because we're so cared for. We have so many resources. We're, We're so akin to comfort. And if we're not careful, we can begin to try to make our life full of comfort. In fact, this is a lie that I realized this year. I was believing. That if I could just pull all the right levers in life in the right order that I could hit like that sweet spot in life. And it was actually through a men's meetup group. We've been reading through the life of David on Tuesday mornings, one chapter at a time. By the way, you read through the whole life of David one chapter at a time once a week. It'll probably be about a year. That's how long we've been reading this. And you know what I realized at the end? David's life was a mess the whole time. We have superheroed his life That's not a verb, but I just made it up. Superheroed his life into these incredible stories and then one incredibly bad story. But he wrestled with problems his entire life. He lived in discomfort and pain his entire life. And yet he walked with God. You know the greatest promise we have in all of God's word is really simple? God is with us wherever we go. And 1 Peter chapter three confronts us with a truth that is uncomfortable but valuable, that there are times in life, probably more than we would like to admit, when pain is good. Now, we know that to some degree, don't we? I mean, we know that the pain we feel at a loss or at a funeral is natural and good. It means we had love. I heard someone say one time that grief is the, the flip side of love. Right, so we we know that. We know that the pain that we feel on the morning after a gym workout, that probably keeps us from the next gym workout, is actually good pain. But on a spiritual level, 1 Peter 3 tells us there's good pain for us to experience. Let's read it together. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer, so there's harm, there's suffering, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. These verses give us two reasons that it's good to experience pain. The first is this. It's good to experience pain when you're pursuing doing what is good. That's why I said at the beginning, that that famous axiom, no good deed goes unpunished. There are lots of things that we pursue that are good, that don't have necessarily a good result. Let me give you an example. Parental correction and discipline of children, right? No parent goes, woohoo, But we recognize that as we follow God, it's a good thing for us to teach our children how to do what's right. And that often includes discipline, from timeouts and, and, and you know, things taken away to whatever. But how many of you have ever had a child look at you in the middle of discipline and say, you hate me. What's that feel like? Don't you feel like as a parent, if you only understood, I'd actually hate you if I didn't correct and discipline you. And what the verse is saying is, sometimes there's harm and suffering that comes as we pursue doing what is good. Did you notice there the verse says, who is there to harm you? if you are zealous for what is good. We we ought to have this culture as Christians that we are eagerly, excitedly, enthusiastically looking for opportunities to do what is good. I, I fear sometimes that we're so busy and so committed to so many things and we have so many dreams and aspirations that we don't necessarily have time to respond well To what is good. For instance, every time that a meal train sign up goes out around gospel hope, and this happens very well, but I just want to use it as an example, we ought to look at it and go, all right, a chance to do good. We ought to jump at it. But what goes on in your heart may be something similar that goes on in my heart. How many things am I signed up for this week? Can I commit to this? What nights are good for me? Am I available? Do we have the money for that? I don't know if we can do it. Right? When God saved us, he started to work in us a desire to look for opportunities to do good. So one of the things I love with our text group on men's meetup. We're sharing prayer requests and we're doing all kinds of stuff. But then people are sharing opportunities that they have to do something good. And you know what it does for me? It inspires me. It encourages me. It gets me excited to jump in and look for those opportunities around me. That's why we put cards out on the table during Easter. It was like, here, Invite your neighbor. We're like throwing you a softball. You hit it. It's Easter. It's an opportunity to do what's good. It's a simple thing, but the cleaning schedule is an opportunity to do a good thing to mow the lawn, to go do something kind for a neighbor, to help someone in need, to, to drop a note. There are lots of good things we can do, and as a group, we ought to pursue those things, but here's the reality sometimes when you're doing what is good, it doesn't turn out good. So here I am. I invite my neighbor. I have, we have like six neighbors around us that we're praying for, we, we talk to all the time, and we're connected to, and we're just, we're just trying to do good things and, and help them know about Jesus. But do you know, here's, here's how we work as human beings. I could have conversations with all six of those neighbors, and five of them could go very well, but the one neighbor who doesn't appreciate it And gives me a piece of their mind. Which one sticks with me? Which one makes me hesitate the next time? To do what's good. (laughs) Isn't it? It's good for us to experience pain when we're doing things that are good. But even if, verse 14 says, you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Blessed by who? Blessed by God. God sees it. God knows so, so keep on pursuing good. Keep on jumping in. You say, yeah, but last time I brought a meal, I didn't know that they had allergies. And then I brought the meal and they weren't happy with it and they couldn't eat it. And so were like, next time, no meal for me. <laughs> I'm checking that one off my doing good list. Really? One reason for, for experiencing pain is that we're doing something that's good. The second reason is in verse 15. But in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord as holy. I so appreciated the songs that kind of came around this theme of honoring God because he's holy. Did you hear those verses we read at the beginning? God is set apart. That's what the word holy means. That's why we sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. It it means that he's perfectly pure in every way. But it also means that he's supposed to be set apart. I heard someone say one time that um, if you want to understand Holiness a little bit better. Think about your toothbrush. Have you ever been caught in a predicament? This happens in families sometimes. Where your toothbrush wasn't there. Or have you ever gotten your toothbrush and picked it up and it was wet? (laughs) It's a very unfortunate feeling, isn't it? Why? Because that toothbrush is your toothbrush. That toothbrush is holy unto you. It's set apart for your mouth and your teeth and your toothpaste. It's set apart. The verse says to us that we should, in our hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Do you know what that means? That means that there should be something distinctly different about people who know Jesus. That there's only one God in our life. Jesus is in a different category. Now, that's easy to sing. It's easy to say. It's incredibly hard to live. Because most of us have lots of things competing to be like Jesus in our life. Our work is competing for that. Our families and relationships are competing for that. Our friends are competing for that. Our teachers are competing for that. Our coaches are competing for that. All kinds of things are competing to be our God. Let me give you a way to identify that. How many of you have ever said, man, it's just one of those seasons where my life revolves around fill in the blank? Work, soccer, (laughs) family. Man, we have like 10 birthdays this month, and my whole life revolves around. There's only one reality as Christians that our life ought to revolve around. Think about it like a wheel. Jesus (laughs) is supposed to be the center of our wheel all the time, and sometimes that's going to mean we make decisions that other people don't understand, that they don't agree with and that they even give us a hard time for because we have to make a change to our schedule or we have to say no to a practice or we have to leave something early or we have to say something uncomfortable because the only God in my life is Jesus. Like we would make our lives way more comfortable. Let's use the illustration of sports and I know it's because this is how my family grew up and it was all around our lives. We would make our lives a lot easier if we said to coaches at the beginning of the season, just want you to know I'm a Christian and Jesus is at the center of my life and he always comes first. He's the one that I bow to. He's the one that's in charge. And so it may happen at some point this year that something that our team is doing comes in conflict with something I know I need to do to honor him. And if that happens, I just want you to know in advance that he always comes first. He's the center of my wheel. Imagine if we said that to bosses when they hired us. I just want you to know that I'm a Christian and I want to work as hard as I can at this job. In fact, the Bible teaches me, God teaches me that I should work hard for you as unto him. And so I, I will work as hard as I can. I want to honor you. I want to do a great job. And I want to be a great employee for this company. But I just want you to know. Jesus is the center of my life. And so there may come a time where those two things come into collision. I just want you to know in advance that I can't choose something else over him. He's the one in charge. I, I've set him apart in my heart as holy. Sometimes we have to say that in relationship. Sometimes as hard as it is, I have to choose what I know God wants me to do over what my spouse wants me to do or my kids want me to do. That's very difficult, isn't it? But that's what 1 Peter 3 means. Set Jesus apart as holy in your heart. Listen, if your goal is to get here on Sunday morning, check the box of attending, and get out that door as fast as you can, do you know what that says something about? Where Jesus ranks in your world. Is he holy? Because if he is, then the opportunities to put him first and know more about him and, and, and grow with other people, they, they ought to just, they ought to just like, you, good to go. Because Jesus in my heart is holy. And when we make those choices and when we make those decisions, and when other people don't understand, or when they mistreat us because of them, we lose a promotion that we would like. You know what, you know what, I'll use Randy. You know what, Randy, you, I, I really do wanna give you that raise and promotion, but there were just some times we really needed you this year, when we were pushing up against the deadline, and, and you couldn't do it because you had other priorities, and so unfortunately, I just can't give you the raise or the promotion that I wanted to give you. Is that okay? See, that, that, that is where the rubber meets the road. Well, Johnny's not gonna get any playing time unless he gets to every practice. And Johnny loves whatever it is. Is it okay? Did you see where the verse goes on to? But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Look at the next phrase. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Do you know what happens when as Christians we live with Jesus at the center of our lives? People don't get it and they ask us why. How could you turn down those extra hours? It's time and a half. I did the math. You're gonna make $65 an hour. Yeah, but Jesus is holy. Can I tell you about the hope that I have in me? Yeah, but I know you're Johnny. I know he loves basketball. I know he wants to be here. Here's the coach. He told me that himself. I'm like, yeah, I know Johnny too. <laughs> I know he loves basketball. But in our family, Jesus is holy. Can I tell you about him? He's totally in charge of our lives. He's the center of our universe. Do you know why we have so little of those sort of conversations? It's because he's not holy to us. Because if he were, our lives would look different. And they wouldn't make sense to the people around us. But we're so drawn to fitting in and blending in and having Jesus as a part of our lives alongside everything else, that it's almost like a hobby that people barely notice. That's why we don't get a chance to talk about the hope that's in us. You say, but that's an uncomfortable conversation. You bet it is. And that's why Peter said, look for it. See, these verses not only tell us the reason that pain can be good, we're we're pursuing good things together, we're excited about doing them, and they don't always make sense, they don't always go right. We've set Jesus apart as the center of our lives. But then it tells us how we should respond. Did you notice that? Look at verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Have no fear of who? The people who are gonna harm you. The people who aren't gonna misunderstand or mistreat you. Don't be afraid of them. Remember how I talked about inviting people to Easter and you remember the bad conversation? Don't let that keep you from, from honoring Jesus and doing what's good. Because the next time it's gonna be, there's gonna be a temptation there to respond with fear and not go forward. So don't do that. Did you see the second part? And don't even let your heart be troubled. Wow. I can tell you when I, when I pursue doing something that's good and it goes bad, my heart is troubled. Is yours? What did Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You know what Jesus was saying? I got under control. Your future is secure. Don't let it bother you. You say, it really bothers me. All I can say to you, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Somehow, you have to settle your heart in the reality that you're honoring the one who is the one who only matters. Somehow. But it goes on. Always be prepared, verse 15, to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Look at the rest. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So when you're doing what's good and you're honoring Christ and you take an arrow for it, don't fight back. By the way, I would argue that this is one of the reasons that Christians are rapidly losing our voice in this country. We think that we need to yell louder in order to be heard. But do you know what God says? In every conversation, when people don't get you, they don't get how you live, they maybe even mistreat you for it. Don't dig your heels in and fight. Don't, don't put it in all caps with six exclamation points. Respond with gentleness and respect. Listen, the way that we respond matters as much as what we respond with. This is some of the damage that was done in Christianity with the last president. That we said, as long as you do a good thing, it doesn't matter how you do it. It does matter. It matters how we respond when people aren't happy with what we're doing. Our spirit matters. Our words matter. Gentleness matters. Respect matters. Isn't it crazy that we get angry when people misunderstand and mistreat us when that's probably the very natural way for them to respond? Because if you don't know Jesus, then you don't know what it's like to have him at the center of your orbit. You don't know what it's like for him to have a voice in every decision that you make. You don't know what it's like to have one Savior and Lord. So the response is natural. It's okay to say, I I understand that you might not understand this. And it may seem really weird or different, but it's how we believe God wants us to live our lives gentleness and respect so we see the reasons why it's good to feel pain when we're doing good and when christ is at the center when we honor him as holy and verse 17 wraps up this little section for it is better to suffer the bible says for doing good if that should be god's will than for doing evil why is it better It's better because as we put God first, as we pursue the good things that he's called us to do, the results are better and the future's better. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Danny read the verse in Matthew 5, so that people will see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Do you know I had an incredible meeting this week? I got to go down to City Hall right here in Riverton. So like right down 126th. Uh, I'm sorry, right down uh, Redwood Road, just past 126, if you don't know where that is. And I got to meet with the Parks and Rec director. Her name is Cheryl. She's a blast. Last year, we tried something as a church. We tried being involved in town days around the 4th of July. And some of you are like, I heard about that. Some of you are like, I'm new here, I didn't know that. Some of you are like, how'd that go? What amazing. So we have a group of, we call it plant campers, but they're teens and adults from all around the country that come in for one week during the summer to just kind of help us. I tell them, we're faithfully laboring here week in, week out, and you guys just kind of pour gasoline on the fire. You just help, right? And so there's about 100 people who come in and uh, they came to help us. So we got involved in town days. Well, if you don't know, Riverton has a 4th of July parade. It doesn't always happen on the 4th, but for the 4th of July. That about 25,000 people attend down this one stretch of road. It's incredible. We uh, didn't get our float request in until very late in the game. (laughs) And so we were float number, do you remember, Danny, 85, something like that. There's, There's somewhere in the 100 floats range. Just through town, throwing candy, having a big time. And so along with the plant campers, we decided that we would do a water bottle handout. So it's 4th of July around here. It's like 150 degrees full sun. If you need a plant that needs full sun and scalding weather, you come here in July or August, it'll be happy. This is torching hot. And so we decided, you know what would be cool for our town? We'll just hand out water, it'll be free. So we all wore Gospel Hope shirts and our plant campers, so about 100, probably 125 of us on the route. And we handed out 5,000 water bottles in about 15 minutes. Bam. And people were just like, how much do I pay you? We're like, it's free. We're just doing good, right? And people just asking questions, and they're just blown away. Like this is so loving and caring for our community. We're totally, totally trying. Listen, we've tried a lot of things at Gospel Hope that haven't worked. Okay, so it just clicked. And then we had volunteered to clean the parade route after. So you imagine twenty-five thousand people getting candy, opening it, kids, blah blah blah. So then, so we enjoy the parade with everybody. The whole crowd rolls out. We have a float in the parade. And then our team of 125 people just descends on the parade route and just cleans it, right? Then we helped some more on Saturday, which was a big day for our community. And then Saturday night, they have a fireworks show and the city workers, the city team that has been working for like a week straight has to stay until after the fireworks to clean up after the fireworks. And so Cheryl had told me, it would be incredible if. So I said, we'll do it. I'm just volunteering other people anyway, so it'll be fun, <laughs> right? If you know me, I'm really good at that. So I was like, sure, they'll do it. So we were there, we all stayed, I was there. And uh, right after the fireworks ended, the whole lawn evacuates from uh, Riverton City Park and we just pass out trash bags and whoosh. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So I walked in this week. I said, hey, Cheryl. I had emailed her before. She goes, I gotta call the, this other guy. So she calls another guy into the office and we sit for about 10 or 15 minutes and she's like, let me tell you about this church. Let me tell you how they served our community. Let me tell you. I said, can we do that again this year? She goes, can you? She goes, we were talking at the end of the last one. How do we get those people to sign up again? <laughs> I said, you don't have to get us to sign up. We, we want to help. We ought to be people Who just keep on pursuing opportunities to do good and put God's name out there. Will it always be received really well? Nope. Will people misunderstand? I'll tell you what, the guy who was selling water for $1, he misunderstood. I asked the play cameras when they came back, how'd it go? They were like, it was amazing. People were so thankful. We had great conversations, except for the guy who was selling water for a dollar. Yeah. As as Paul and Barnabas and, and Peter and all those guys went out in the community and they told people about Jesus, did it always go well? No. But was God at work? Look at the last verse. For Christ, this is 18, also suffered once for sins. You want to talk about pain, for doing good, pain for obeying God and and doing what the Father had called him to do. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Jesus did the greatest good in the greatest pain. And can you hear all the people walking by the cross, mocking him, misunderstanding, mistreating, crowning him with thorns, robing him and ripping it off, beating him mercilessly? Isn't he the one we follow? The one who who did what was good and obeyed his father no matter what in the midst of the pain. The pain of physical abuse, the pain of mockery and verbal attack, the pain of separation from God, the pain of death, and his pain brought us safely home. Do you know that word there, verse, verse 18? That he might bring us to God. It's the word to bring someone to a destination. It's actually often used negatively in the Bible for being brought to trial, for being brought before the authorities. And here it's used positively of Jesus by his suffering and his death, bringing you to God. Do you know there was zero way we were getting to God without Jesus suffering and dying? Zero. And he knew it was good. And he knew it was what God wanted. And he knew it would be brutally hard. And so he went right through it. And aren't you glad that because he went through it, can bring us to God. This passage has meant a lot to me in the last few months, and I experienced it in three different ways this past week, and I'll end here. The first was that video we watched in our Good Friday service. I was actually organizing an Easter chapel at a Christian school up in the corner of the valley, and I was like, it is missing something. And I came across that video, the man on the middle cross, and if you were here on Good Friday service, you saw it. If you didn't see it, you should. But it ends with this verse that Jesus suffered to bring us safely home. On Monday night, I did the devotion for the board of the Crisis Pregnancy Center up in the city. You know what I realized as I was talking to them about why they do what they do? That the doing good at the Crisis Pregnancy Center is about helping to bring babies safely home. And it's not always easy. In fact, the, the woman who leads the board said, I used to do crisis counseling, but I cannot emotionally do it because of how hard it is. And so I lead the board because I can do this. <laughs> it's my way to serve. And then this past Wednesday, Tuesday night actually, my first grade teacher died. At the age of 54, she contracted terminal cancer. And for the last six years, I've kind of followed along on her journey through the ups and downs. And, and it's been this example of walking through the valley of the shadow of death with Jesus, home. And at the age of 60, my mom's best choir friend, because my mom, who sings alto if you know music at all, it's kind of the low ladies part, loved to sing in choir, but she couldn't find the notes. But if you put somebody next to her who could sing the notes, she could. So they sang harmony together for years and years and years. My mom got to see her on Tuesday night. She's supposed to go see her Wednesday morning. She's just like, I think God wants me to go tonight. Sue didn't end up surviving the night. And this is the beginning of her obituary. On the morning of April 19th, 2022, Susan Capucci of Pentecook, New Hampshire, went safely into the arms of Jesus. Pain can be good. Are we trying to avoid pain? Or do we embrace it? Are we content to suffer the collateral damage, the unavoidable misunderstanding and mistreatment that comes with doing good and honoring God? Jesus was. And aren't you thankful? So we also take up our cross daily and follow him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the words of 1 Peter 3. That remind us that you have purpose in our pain. God, we confess that sometimes we avoid the good conversations, the hard conversations, the, the situations you've called us to follow you and obey you because we're worried about the discomfort, we're worried about the pain. We're worried about some suffering that may come along. And God, to some degree, we don't even understand what it means to actually suffer, to be imprisoned, to have our lives threatened as some of our fellow Christians, many around the world do. So God, would you convict us? Would you challenge us? Would you step on our toes wherever you need to that we might follow you in doing good and honoring Jesus, whatever that next step looks like for me, for someone in this room who has never put their faith in Christ because of what it'll cost, for steps of obedience and sacrifice that are difficult, Thank you that your word does not overshadow the pain but is honest about it and yet tells us you will bless us if we do good. You will honor us if we honor you. And this is what Jesus has done for which we praise you. It's in his name we pray. Amen.